Hunting boots are a critical component of any successful hunt. Whether walking a short distance to your blind or trudging miles through rugged terrain, your feet are carrying the load. Without the right boots, you could give up early and lose out on that trophy just over the ridge. At Midway USA, we make selecting boots for your next hunt easier. With just a few clicks of a mouse, you can decide on what's important, like waterproofing, insulation, size, width, and savings. For just about everything for shooting, hunting, and the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. Boat Trader is America's largest boating marketplace with over 100,000 boats to choose from. We offer simple, comprehensive solutions for those looking to sell, find, and finance new or used boats. Visit BoatTrader.com to get started. Habitat Podcast, the podcast for wildlife habitat management, hunting strategy, and land stewardship. And now, your host, Jerry Van Eves. Welcome to the Habitat Podcast. I'm your host, Jared Van Heath. Thank you so much for coming back to listen. It is bow season, and we are back with another great episode here. We are becoming better habitat managers together with you guys, the listeners. So, just pumped up, glad to be back, and uh, thank you for coming. We have an awesome episode here today. We have uh, yours truly and the co-host Brian Hallbly catching up. We haven't caught up in a while. Um, We talk about our season goals. We talk about how the initial hunts of the year have been going. Uh, We talk about what our outlooks are on this year, where we're headed, what tags we have, Um, and then any uh, last habitat projects. We also talk about a new family property. Um, so check all that out. It's coming to you right now. Brian and Jared, myself, yapping, catching up, goals, new property, hunts of the year, etc. It's a good one. We don't do this enough. We really enjoy these and um, thought it turned out really good. So Brian and I coming up next. First, I want to thank all the listeners leaving us some great reviews on Apple iTunes. So below... In the show notes, you'll see a link to leave us a review. If you do that, I will send you a free 5-inch Habitat Podcast decal. A 5-inch circle decal, pretty large decal, coming to you for free. Uh, all you got to do is scroll down, write something nice, give us a 5-star. And that just what that does is it really helps us chart higher in the podcast world. Uh, we are the number one Habitat-related podcast, and we will want to continue to do that. And we do that because you guys are awesome and help leave us good feedback that really helps propel us to the top and uh, other people will find us this way if we're being suggested by iTunes and Spotify and whomever else um, that somebody needs to listen to us that's how people find us so our goal this year and and, uh, next year is just to grow get out to more people Um, so that's one way we're trying to do it again uh, if you haven't received a decal from us there's an email below info at habitatpodcast.com we sent out about a dozen more last week, and we're going to try to find the addresses to these users and get more out this week as well. So feel free, hit us up, and you can also email us if you just have any questions on anything. You know, we love hearing from the, the listeners, and uh, that email's there. So, Guys, we are booking our land plans into 2022 right now. If you're interested in those, please uh, check us out. The link below as well, habitatpodcast.com slash landplans. Um, we got a pretty cool 
program we're putting together. You'll know more about it in December for the 2022 land plans. So if you're interested, again, on the website, reach out, and we'll get a hold of you. Now, Brian's been really banging up the new YouTube, so please check us out on YouTube. Subscribe there. We'll talk about that in the episode here as well, a new, a new series of videos with a new team that he's put together. Um, pretty awesome, entertaining stuff. If you like watching Habitat and Honey on YouTube, uh, subscribe to the Habitat Podcast. Now, I want to thank um, Morse Nursery. So Morse is actually allowing me and the podcast, uh, we're a dealer now in Michigan. Uh, we can sell uh, any of the products and help you service them, pick out which products, where to place them on your property, where to put the orchards, what trees to use. I've already been doing this for the land plan clients, um, helping out which you know products we're going to put where. So we're just taking this to the next level. So I'm one of Morse, Morse Nursery's new dealers here in Michigan. Uh, we can work out some great deals for you guys um, over and above the, the podcast. And, and just let me know if you have anything you're, you're looking to do this spring because as you've heard us talk about many times, inventory runs out by the time most people think to order. So if you're thinking in February or March, I better get an order in, you're usually too late based on inventory. So I've already been working with Frank. There's a limited amount of certain items um, and tons of other stuff, as you heard about in our last episode with Frank. Uh, this year's stock is going to be really good based on what stock he had last year and what he held back. And have some really good stuff coming for the 2022 spring shipment. So we're going to look at a spring uh, tree sale, but we got to get our orders in now. So if you have any interest, set us up, info at habitatpodcast.com, and we will go from there. I'd also like to thank Realtree, United Country, Land Pro, Lake States Realty, and Auction. Now, Chad has had a bunch of new listings recently, so... If you go to our website, hit the logo on the homepage for Realtree United Country Land Pro, you will see all of Chad's listings. Um, he puts them on Facebook mostly, so if you don't follow him on Facebook, be sure to check them out there. And they're going quickly. So I know there's a 43-acre one, there's another 60-acre one, and they're selling like hotcakes. So if you're interested in getting some property and want a, something to manage yourself in 2021 and 2022 here, Give Chad a call over at Realtree United Country Land Pro. And, um, again, his info is on our website if you need to find it. All right, guys. I want to thank Exodus Trail Cameras, Packer Max Cultipackers, Killer Food Plots, Michigan Whitetail Pursuit, The Squirrel at NutPlanter.com, and Afflictor Broadheads. All right. You've heard enough from me. Let's get to it with uh, Brian and myself talking all things fall of 2021. What's up, buddy? How you been, brother? Not bad. Not bad. It's deer season is here, and I'm I'm fired up. You know, we, uh, we've been talking about doing a, a catch-up session. You and I haven't really sat down and caught up in a while, so how are you doing? I'm doing well. Uh, I've been in the tree a couple of times. Our season opened in uh, the management units of 2B and 5C and 5D in Pennsylvania, which is the areas around the city of Pittsburgh and Philadelphia. So I've had a two-week head start. Unfortunately, it's been really hot most of that time. I've had a couple of uh, cool evenings that I could get out with work. I mean, we've had, I think the last week or so has been decent, but 
trying to balance all that with work and everything, but did manage to get out twice, got the, some of the cobwebs knocked off and uh, getting dialed back in to, to what I'm doing. Fortunately, or unfortunately, however you look at it, I didn't have any deer bothering me while I was getting back in the groove, so got to concentrate on that. No. So how many times have you been out? Twice. Twice and no no deer either time? Nope. Saw a couple of does going in last night uh, when we were setting up and tried to go as quietly and slowly as possible because they didn't seem like they were too spooked, but they must have been heading for somewhere good to eat because we never saw them. Gotcha. Were you out there with Chris? Yeah. Yeah. So okay. we have a uh, uh, suburban landowner that we help out. He's got a pretty bad deer problem, which you wouldn't know it last night. <laughs> now, normally we take about a half dozen does off of his property every year, and he's real appreciative of that. And we share the meat and donate some and, and try to help out as much as we can because that's uh, part of what, you know, we're trying to do with the whole bag of tricks here and the whole mission. Yeah, no, I hear you, and I think, um, you know, good for you for getting out there and trying to help the landowner out, you know. I'm coming around on the whole high deer population, uh, you know, man- monitoring the does, managing the does, the hunter, our front hunter always talked about. Um, the more you pay attention to that, you really see browse lines and, and, you know, camera surveys and things that that show there is a high population. So good for you for helping him out. I know um, I know that's pretty awesome. I'll tell you a little story Corey and I did a couple of weeks ago too, but how how about the cobwebs? Did you knock the cobwebs off? Was it smooth? Because right now, buddy, all my stuff is not ready for tomorrow. It's 4 p.m. <laughs> I, like the cobwebs are going to be thick. Yeah. This weekend, I'm telling you, I'm kind of nervous about it, to be honest with you. So my only advice is to try to stick with what you know and what works for you, because every year it seems like I try to tell myself that, but then I end up, oh, look at this new piece of gear. Oh, I wonder yeah. if I add this to the mix. And no matter how many times you mess with it over the summertime, until you're putting it all together in the woods, it just it, it never comes together. So I thought I was going to try to hunt without a pack for the early season. I bought that new uh, muddy harness that has the pockets on it, and it's fantastic. It, it carries a lot of stuff and eliminates the need for that. But you know as well as I do, we're trying to do a YouTube show. We're trying to uh, take pictures for social media, and you know, I'm carrying a GoPro and a regular camera. I've got a Tacticam, and I've got my phone, and then all the mounts for all those different things. And it's just, you know, you're, you're trying to do so much. And then if you're a guy that likes to have like an Ozonics like I do, and uh, yep. I, I take a bow holder and I, I like to be comfortable up there. I like to have everything where I feel comfortable and not have to move around too much in the tree once I get everything set. So I'm sticking with the pack and I went back to what I was doing on the second hunt that I normally do. And it worked out fine. So does it take you, like, are you finally set up in your tree by like noon? With all that stuff, <laughs> <laughs> it's not too bad. No, it totally I mean, kidding. Running, running, and gunning is you. You know how that goes. You're trying to get st- sticks and a stand set up, and plus all your gear, and a lot different than when we're down the lease and hunting a preset stand or on a on another piece of property or your own property that you have set stands. So yeah, 
just have to roll with it. And then dealing with the warmer temperatures and sweating your butt off, getting all that stuff set up. Everybody knows the struggle. Yeah, you're almost making me just want to sleep in and not really deal with it. <laughs> no, I totally kid. I'm too jacked up to ever do that. I think, uh, yeah, I need to get out there, like you said, dust cobwebs off, get back in. I'm going to try to shoot a door or two right off the bat if I can. Um, I got a couple properties around here that I, I try to help out on as well. And uh, my friend Brian Doobie, his property is loaded with those. I think we're going to go out to his place tomorrow night. Um, and then I got a 40-acre lease up the road that is, like I told you before, like 39 acres of corn and a bunch of does out there, but we've got the corn already. So we'll see how that that works out. But, no, Corey invited me out. We, we went out to a farmer um, the morning of that field to fork hunt. We went out to a farmer that Corey knows and uh, – had a, I think we had four, no, five of us out there, and all had the the 450s and 350s all in hand, and the crop damage permits, and um, ended up whacking. I think we took seven that morning. Wow. Yeah, it was it was fun. It was a good time. Uh, there's so many deer, but just you know helping that farmer out. He's got. He's got these certain permits that are fillable whenever because they're sure. in, a, in a suburban area, like you're saying. Yep. It's a little bit different than your standard crop permit, and it was just crazy. Um, it was, so I, I dusted the I dusted the barrel off a little bit, and uh, that felt really good. But you know, now now that we're here, I'm uh, I'm fired up. I got some hunting beast climbing sticks. I gotta get together here and. Um, I picked up a new saddle from Latitude Outdoors. I'm going to try their saddle, the two-piece, see how that goes. So just screwing around, you know, like you, just just trying to be more efficient and get my get my system down and get very efficient with it. Like I said before, my, my climber system back in the day, I have, like, spots where I hang my backpack and my bow holder. Like, it's all, it's all fine-tuned. Right. I haven't spent a lot of time trying to fine-tune the saddle system fully yet, so hopefully that'll be my goal this year where I can just walk into any woods, anywhere, any property, and shimmy up a tree no matter what and just hunt mobile, you know, forever, um, at least as much as I can. Because, I mean, the first sits have always been dynamite, usually. So. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, the importance of that first sit and staying mobile, we see it all over. Everybody that we had on the show, all the all the big time hunters, whether it's Dan Infold or uh, Mike Perry or any of those guys that are into the mobile hunting, it's just they get it done. I mean, our buddy Dan Infold just just shot a giant slipping back in there in the swamps, and I got to watch that video last night. My goodness, what a buck! Yeah. But uh, yeah, the proof's in the pudding for sure. Yeah, congrats, Mr. Dan Infold. That's he's a that's a Wisconsin slob right there, no doubt. So, uh, you know, like I said, we're just catching up here, kind of a little, we always do this annual goals podcast before season, kind of, you know, what you're expecting of the year and, and, uh, what, what do you think happened last year? How were your goals? Let's not dwell too much on last year, but you know, like, like what, how do you think we checked all of our boxes or left a lot on the table in terms of hunting? Well, I, I like to think that there's always room for improvement, um, no matter what. And fortunately, I don't think I can go any further to the bottom than last year with four tags going on field. But 
Yeah, I mean, my drink out here. Come on. <laughs> no, I, I I put a lot of pressure on myself last year, and you know, I'm not surprised that I did that. You know, being that you have four tags and what we're doing with the podcast and everything else, and trying to keep this going through hunting season, you got that pressure, and then trying to balance family time and and getting time in the woods. It's just, uh, I think I think we can kind of learn from that for sure trying to get back and I said it in that late season video I put out last year on our YouTube channel just about slowing down and just enjoying the the day the hour the minute that you're out there just take it all in and don't put too much pressure on yourself I mean easier said than done but that's definitely a goal of mine something that I hope to learn from last year great great point I think it's a good good lesson to keep in mind the season for everybody, you know, uh, we're blessed to be out there doing what we're doing. So getting caught up in the moment, you know, I, I'm with you though. Like you got four tags in all these states. I had, I had three tags or well, four, if you count the two in Michigan, um, three of those never got filled, you know? So it's like, I get it. I get it. It's, uh, but like moving forward to this year, um, how has that changed for you? Like what, what goals do you have? this year so far well i know you've been working very hard at the least like you've been down there like a bunch on the ohio test farm yeah yeah i mean habitat wise for the first year of just trying to get some stuff scratched out for for what we had to work with i'm extremely happy with what we were able to get accomplished there i mean there's deer in there every night we've got some really nice bucks daylighting in some of those food plots um, it's a testament to uh, killer food plots and what Nick puts the time and effort into those blends. The deer really like what he's got going on and just uh, super happy with how those are all turned out. Yeah, I know. If I uh, lived a little bit closer, you get a couple of those daylight pictures. should be down there, you know, and there's yeah. – but we know we know a little bit better. We know what the wind's doing. We know that they have our number. Um we're trying to be careful on, on how we do that with that bedding area that you talked about uh, with me the other day. Um, yeah, that hopefully all your hard work will pay off for one of the lease members, hopefully you, obviously, and, uh, you know, because you've been converting the the sea container, Camp Tin Can, into a five-star hotel. I mean, the food plots look good, stands are hung, cameras are out. Um, just waiting for a little cooler weather myself, personally. But you got to yeah. put in the time down there for sure already. Yeah, moving forward, I, I want to move some cameras over to some scrapes. We found a few scrapes in the off-season scouting in the spring, uh, but not as many as I thought we would have found. And, you know, it's so thick down there. We didn't get into every nook and cranny. But right. I think some some of these sits going forward, if we're careful with our wind and our access, we'll we'll figure out how these deer are using the property. We've already got a pretty good idea with the cameras. But, uh, yeah, it's going to be time to start focusing in on these scrapes and where these bucks like to be for the end of October and come up with a plan here. For sure. I, that's like the the toughest part is, is figuring out where they're betting because it's not like there's a huge swamp out back and you're like, hey, okay. They're in the swamp. I'm I'm okay to move around here on the way to my stand and this and that. Those suckers could be sitting right up by the road watching where we park, right? Like sure. 
like when I was down there on the lease and seeing all the undulation and different parcels that are connected um, and the roads kind of winding around them and through them, it makes our access pretty awesome, pretty bulletproof. Um, and but like that north piece, you know, I'm, and that's where some of those bucks are daylight. I'm wondering where the heck are they betting because it is thick in there. <laughs> and you know, are they watching us come in? Are they not? Should we, you know, circle around back? It's it's that sort of puzzle pieces that are kind of fun to put together. Um, you just don't want to blow it out too early trying to figure that out too early, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And uh, as far as that north piece goes, it it's hard to believe there's even rack bucks getting into that spot because it's so thick. I mean, mm-hmm. multiflora rows, tangles, and uh, it's just, just insane. But there's a few good trails through there, and, um, you know, there's a little bit of a, uh elevation change there. And I, I've noticed on the on the north winds and some of the northwest winds, it kind of sets up perfect for them to lay on the edge of that ridge with the wind coming to their back like Dan Infault talks about and other guys that talk about hill country bedding. So they're they're definitely reading the script and, and kind of doing what we think they're going to do. It's just a matter of access and uh, us being disciplined. Yes, sir. So – where else are you hunting this year? You have Pennsylvania. You got one buck tag in PA, right? Yep, one buck tag in PA and one in Ohio for right okay. now. So Keep it simple for now. Yeah, yeah, we're going to concentrate on that. And uh, you know, there's always other opportunities. We're we're very blessed to have friends all over the country and constantly have invites pretty much anywhere we want to go. So, but I'm not going to put that much pressure on myself. I'm going to try to fill a buck tag in, at home in PA and get it done hopefully the deer i hit in ohio will will stay down and i'll be able to put a tag on it unlike last year oh i'm sure you will i'm sure you will have you uh messed with your arrow setup at all i know you're shooting a different broadhead now yeah yep we went to the afflictor uh fixed blade k2 125 grain i was shooting mechanicals prior to that they were 100 grain mechanicals so it was kind of fun to go back to a fixed blade you know, it takes me back to my early days of slinging the muzzy 125s at everything and knocking everything down from every angle. So, <laughs> now, all joking aside, we'll still wait for uh, ethical shots and, and sure. try, to, try to make the best we can. But very impressed with uh, our testing of the afflictors and, and the testimony from our friends at Exodus and uh, some of the videos we've watched on the afflictor youtube channel just uh looking forward to putting it to work myself yes sir so you have uh two buck tags your goal knock a solid deer down fill out one of the two at least how many does are you going for this year how much freezer space do you have because uh who knows there could be a meat shortage right i mean who knows yeah (laughs) who knows what's going to happen but uh yeah the chest freezer is getting a little bit low uh, plenty of room in there for two more deer for sure. Uh, then I've got a, a smaller freezer on top of a fridge here in the garage also. And uh, this year I reached out on Facebook and asked anybody if, if they knew any families in need. Uh, I'm going to take one of those deer and pay for the processing and everything and, and deliver it myself. And I, I actually had a couple families reach out to me, so I'm I'm really excited about that. I mean, my processor here in town does the um, 
Farmers Helping the Hungry, I think is it's called. And that's nice. It's great they do that. I've donated deer through that many times, but you never see where it goes. You right. never see the results. And uh, this is kind of nice to actually be able to deliver it to somebody that you could actually look in their eyes and see that you're making a difference somewhere. Yeah, that's a good, that's a great goal. I'm glad you brought that up. Um, you know, there's a lot of people out here who, you know, the whole finding your own food movement and and uh, knowing where it comes from and all that is popular over the, what, past probably decade or so. And, you know, like that Field the Fork program, we were able to get all those hunters their first deer. They've been eating it, telling me how good the jerky was. You know, we donated those seven deer to Sportsman's Against Hunger. But like you said, it's not like you're really seeing where the, the meat goes unless you're, you know, with that person personally, which is cool. Sure. Yeah, so we haven't caught up on that very much since you guys were out. Walk us through how all that went. I know you guys were successful. Yeah, yeah. We're, uh, we recorded that whole kind of podcast series. Now it started with Chad Thalen and Brad Harper in the deer blind at, uh, at Back 40. Um, then we went and talked with you and I, talked with Mark Kenyon about it on another recent episode. I think Corey and I interviewed Hank Forrester about it. So we've been trying to get some coverage on that to keep this thing, you know, rolling downhill in terms of get more people to help volunteer, more areas to help start this field to fork. But it was really cool. It was very hot. Um, but, you know, I my guy's name, uh, he was Clement was his name. He's a 51-year-old, um, has four or five boys. I think he had, I know he had at least four. And it wants to just get into hunting and be able to show them how to, you know, go out there and get it yourself. So it was great. I I um, sat with them and and we were sitting there and it's you know sun finally dips below the trees and I'm like all right start paying attention. He was he was paying attention the entire time, you know locked on. You know me I kind of know what's going on so I sit back and relax for a few and wait till it gets closer to dark and all of a sudden you hear the safety click off on my gun that that he's holding. And I'm like, what in the world? And I like look. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, you see one? He's like, yeah. I'm like where? Because I'm looking out in front of me. I, he's on my left side. I'm on the right. It's a two-man ladder. Well, it came out on our left side, wherever we thought it would. Uh, thanks to our friend Chris, whose property we hunted, and and uh, I was like, all right. I got my phone out. I was gonna videotape the shot so I knew how good the hit was. I was like, all right, let me hold on. Let me make sure it's a doe, you know, not a button buck before you shoot because it was, it was a, like a medium-sized doe. And uh, I get the bios up. I'm looking at it, and I'm like, all right, yep, that's a doe. And, like, I'm still looking at it. And I'm like, now I'm like, all right, take my face out of the bios, pull my phone back up. Before I could get my face out of the bios, wham! You know, <laughs> he didn't waste any time. He, he smoked her, and, and I kind of, oh crap and threw my phone up watched her run away and uh, went and checked for blood there was blood he drilled her he drilled her so we we sat there had about 45 minutes till dark and uh five or six more does came in so he got to kind of see how they were acting they were kind of starting to peg us um you know i was gonna dish my ozonics this year because of how much bulk it is to carry but they came in straight down and we had the ozonics running and you know, he can't beat a mature toe's nose, so right. I don't know, more, more testament to those things. But he ended up drilling, or we waited, and, and Corey came out, and uh, made the photographer come out, 
videotape the recovery. And I assume, um, you know, Meat Eater or NDA or Wired to Hunt or somebody's going to come out with some of that footage and, yeah. and we'll get to see some of the hunters. Uh, it was awesome. We had 10 new hunters. I think nine of them showed up. And I think, again, seven of them took their first deer and one guy took two deer. Wow. So a pile of venison hit the ground that night. And, uh, it was a long night getting everything, you know, drug out and showing people how to gut and everything else, but it was awesome. It was very, very cool. I look back at some of the pictures and I'm smiling more than the guys shot the deer. Sure. I mean, um, they told, they told us that might be how it works, but it truly was, was pretty cool. And, uh, that guy who I mentored, um, Corey was supposed to mentor him, and I was just going to support him, but Corey threw me in there. And the reason was he owns like 50 acres up north in northern Michigan, like less than a mile from our new family property. Oh, wow. In the whole state of Michigan. Like, meet this guy randomly, and we're within, you know, a two-track or a quad ride up north now. Small world. Small world. Yeah, it was cool. It was cool. So that was fun, you know. Got to got to kind of check that box already. Put put my time in towards the NDA and towards helping. I try to do something um, every year, whether it's get a new friend of mine into hunting or ice fishing is usually a good icebreaker, no pun intended, to get somebody in the outdoors. And sure. uh, I'm still working. I got a couple of buddies who are one one in particular who's really took it up. Nick's my buddy Nick. He's fired up about it. So nice. Yeah, so, I mean, that was kind of one of my goals, always is every year, and uh, we got it done already. So I was pretty pumped about that. Yeah, and I think I speak for everybody when I say thanks to you and Corey and everybody else at the NDA and Meat Eater, Wired to Hunt, everybody that was involved in that. That's that's an amazing thing. And not only did you guys have 10-plus new hunters, like you mentioned, the, the gentleman that went out with you has got three or four sons. Yep. You start adding hunters and those kind of numbers a little bit at a time, and the future looks really bright. So I appreciate you taking the time to do that. Yeah, yeah. No, I I don't I don't deserve a huge thank you or anything. I think uh, Corey and Hank really put the whole thing together. Corey just worked his tail off getting that whole thing, and um, I was just like the lucky one to go get to sit with a guy. But uh, it, it truly was gratifying, you know. Uh, so I, I'd urge anybody who's interested, you know, shoot us a text or a message and we can put you in touch with Hank. And he's looking to start these field to fork things uh, for the NDA all over the place. So if you guys are ever thinking about it, it'd be a good good thing to do. I highly recommend it. Awesome. Well, before we get into your goals for Michigan and wherever else you're going, you, you tried to be real slick about that family property line that you threw in there, but I'm going to have to press you on that a little bit. What's going on there? Busted. Busted. So I'll take it back. So long story short, my father-in-law and I purchased a 70-acre piece in northern Michigan uh, just recently, closed closed a week ago. Um, and we've been – so how it all kind of came about, I was thinking this spring, I'm thinking, you know what, and you guys have heard me mention it on the show, 15 acres is awesome. I've I've been there. I've done that. I've increased the ha- or improved the habitat across the whole thing. Kind of running out of room to do more. Um, I'm like, you know what? It's a good time to sell a property. I'm, I might consider selling it and and see if there's anything around 
that would be a you know a forty maybe or or a thirty even or maybe a sixty. Um, and I was fishing with my father-in-law who doesn't fish. He's on the boat with me fishing for walleye, and uh, I was kind of telling him what I wanted to do, and he's like, "Well, you know, I wouldn't mind looking at some land." I'm like, "Huh?" I'm like, "You don't hunt?" Oh, he he does duck hunt. We do duck hunt together like once a year. Um, but you know what I'm saying? He's not like uh, sure. totally obsessed like I am. Mm-hmm. And and I'm like, okay, it's weird. And he's like, well, it's a good investment, right? I'm like, always, always, for sure. Um, so that's kind of how the conversation got started. We started talking. We started out with some timber, some timber goals in mind, timber harvest, timber management type properties up north. You get a lot of sugar maple filled properties up there that, that produce a lot of income. Um, kind of started there. I think we, we think we saw, you know, 10 to 15 properties. We made a couple trips up throughout the summer. Um, it's it's a good ways up. It's like three and a half hours for me and probably four and a half for him. So we put the time in, checked out a bunch of stuff, and it was all super expensive. And some of them had seasonal roads. Some had, um, you know, look like some neighbor issues. Some you couldn't even get to. And some were just... Like I said, stupid expensive right now. Right. Uh, but we ended up, I was up there camping on our family camping trip, and I took a little drive around, um, and I found this piece that wasn't in any of the listings. So I called the, the agent, and we started talking, and he's like, yeah, it's, uh, it's for sale, um, but it, ha- it has a a conservation easement on it. And my first thought was, oh, no, no thanks. I don't want Anybody tell me what I can or cannot do with this property right now. Um, but the lack of listings and the fact that, you know, we kind of wanted a family property where we can bring the wives and the kids up and the grandkids and go spend some time together instead of Jared's gone all, all, every weekend type thing, you know. Uh, it's really intriguing to us to, to get something going uh, quicker than that. So, I started diving into that easement a little bit, and, and we'll probably dive into that a lot more on, on the podcast moving forward since it's part of my life now. But uh, long story short, kind of what Eric Long always said way back when, when he when he went and spoke in front of all those, you know, bird watchers and, and people that may not be on the same page as us in a lot of ways in life, uh, you know, we do have a lot of the same goals. So this main goal of this easement was to prevent – any erosion on the steep slope. So there's uh, the south side of the property is a pretty steep elevation change from the road down into like a wetland area. Um, it's kind of unique. And then the other thing is to protect the wetlands. Um, you know, a lot of places already protect wetlands. And, and so I started reading it, and and the easement was just being put into place. It wasn't like it's been there for, you know, the life of the property. So I had the opportunity to negotiate, if you will. Um, so I've spent countless hours on the phone with these guys over email, conference calls. I drew up a land plan, the whole thing on what my vision was, and then they had to take it in front of their board and, and kind of go go through it. And I know everybody al- already is going, screw this, right? Way too much work. <laughs> and uh, it, it, is, it is work. Um, but it's obviously something I'm extremely passionate about, so I didn't I didn't mind. Um, and they ended up coming back and saying, you know what, 
that's like the best plan we've ever seen out of anybody who's ever submitted a plan. And I'm like, what? That's weird. Okay. Uh, thank you, I guess. And you're like, you know what? Our, our goals are aligned. Um, we'll give you food plots here. We'll give you wildlife cuts here, just like our land plants, right? Sure. Um, you know, don't screw with the swamp. It's, and it's actually just a creek that runs through. Um, water comes up from the ground and springs in that area and just forms a creek. It's the headwaters of a, of a creek. And I'm like, I don't need to, to mess with that. That's fine. Um, I don't need to go, you know, clear cut the south-facing slope on, on that property. And, you know, timber management still allowed through a forester, through the state. Um, so really, I'm, I'm thinking, I think this might work. Yeah. And and after some conversations, it's like a 22-page document now. Uh, we're on the same page. I have about a 10% ratio of food that's going to go into the 70 acres. Um, I already called the forester before we close. Like, you know, like we talk about in the land plans, the first step usually is, our, is a forester. For um, sure. So we're already on the phone with Hunter. And, um, you know, we're going we're gonna to get this thing going. So I'm, I'm excited. Unfortunately, I have not had a lot of time to breathe and even really think about it. We just closed. You know, my kids are back to school. Everything is crazy here. So I, I haven't gotten up there to really relax and have a beer and watch the sunset and do that whole thing. Mm-hmm. But uh, we're we're pretty excited about it. We're going to we're gonna build a little spot up there to stay a little cabin or something over the years. Um, there's about four acres that are excluded from the easement where you can do whatever you want with. That was originally two, so I got that bumped up to four. Um, you know, room for to, to play around and have fun. So yeah, we're excited. It's in the northern... Uh, it's in Emmett County, Michigan. So if you hold up your hand, it's way up to the top. Uh, is that the right side? Yeah. And then there are antler point restrictions in that county. So I'm even more jacked about that. Sure. They've been doing that for uh, somebody will probably correct me on this ten ten years or so, and it's 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 proven to work up there. So um, they get a lot of snowfall. There's some ski areas nearby, so that's kind of cool because we all love to ski. But the snowfall is going to be interesting because it's kind of one of the spots in Michigan where they get the most snow in the Lower Peninsula. Um, so the deer like migrate out like they do in the Upper Peninsula. Okay. Um, and there's some guys up there that, including uh, the listing agent, who are hunters, and they already know everybody, and they're excited to have another passionate deer hunting fool up there to you know. And I'm excited as well. So we're we're pumped up. We're pumped up. Just uh, it's going to be a a bunch of work. Yeah. I'm going to say a, a shoot ton of work there. It's going to be insane uh, to carve out what my idea will be into the 70 acres. So, Well, congrats again on that. Thank you. And uh, I'm looking forward to following along, just like some of our other guests. It'll be nice to have another property in development, some of our other clients that we have. But, um, yeah, yeah and, and the hard work that you put in there, like you said, it was probably kind of a pain in the butt to, to work with them on that easement. But at the end of the day, your hard work paid off. And it's so interesting, like when we talked to our buddy Jake from Exodus and his podcast with the hearing the different ways guys manipulate land and buy land and how things work out and transactions and, and Neil Hogger, some of his stories. Just you've added to that now with another angle. If somebody comes across the property and said, hey, I heard Jared did this, and, you know, this might be able to work for me. So pretty cool, man. Congrats again, and I'm looking forward to 
seeing what you guys do with it. No, thank you very much. Yeah, well, love. Can't wait to get you up there and and get the uh, the old podcast team up and do uh, you know our annual review or something. I don't know. It'd be awesome. Um, yeah, for sure. It, yeah. So if, if, I mean, my, like I said, my first thought on the easement was no way, and uh, since then I've changed on that. So I know another guy down here who has a property in an easement that I found out before buying this. He's like. It's not a big deal at all. It's really not. There's, you know, certain things I can and cannot do, but I'm a deer hunter. I'm a turkey hunter. There's awesome deer in Turkey, and and so what if I can't subdivide it into a subdivision someday? I don't want to do that anyways, right? So it's it's pretty interesting, and, and like I said, these folks are are there to enroll as much property as they can into this easement to protect it for years to come. I'm okay with that. I like that. Sure. They don't want subdivisions built. Cool with me. Um, you know, so there's a lot of common ground, and we really came together because, like I said, the agency is – it's not like NDA, right? It's not like a gung-ho deer hunter agency. It's its pretty interesting. So it's very cool to, to come together. I spoke with a gentleman today, and he's like, you know what? I came with all your conditions. I changed a lot of stuff. He's like, it's cool working with a landowner, me, who – who is like who gets it? He's like you kind of can see it. So the way you explained it, we're on board. If you're just talking, I'm, I just want to go in there and cut a bunch of trees down. That's a whole different story, right? Right. right. It's almost like how you frame it. Um, but no, long story short, I'm I'm pumped up. It's a lot further drive. That's gonna suck. Um, but it's also like you're going for the weekend, so now you're up there. Sure. Okay. I'm in sales. I drive for a living. It's not a big deal. Um. And and the deer hunting up north is not as good as it is in the southern part of the state in terms of quantity. There's still some good bucks up there, so it'll be it'll be cool. It'll be more of a family property. Um, I figure out what I'm going to call it. Maybe the family property. I don't know, but I don't think it'll be my last endeavor in land. Um, you know, you and I have talked about this, Jake and and Neil, and yeah, like I I'll be probably buying land until the day I die, some way or another. Yeah. So. I'm fired up for this new yeah, project sure. though, and and now I I have an idea. You know, we we implement these land plans on our on our client properties and and advise them on what we would do. Well, now it's time to get get in the driver's seat and and uh, you know do it on a lot larger scale. You know, five times the size of my property or whatever. So it's going to be quite the amount of work ahead of me, buddy. Absolutely. So what's the status with the 15? Is that on the market currently, or is it going to go on the market? Um, it's not on the market yet. I'm going to hunt it this year and then um, figure it out. So okay. my goal has always been when I bought the first property at, at 29, I said I'm going to hold on to it for five years at least and see if you know it's something I want to keep or not because um, I want more. So being able to roll, sell that roll of equity into something bigger like we talked about with Dan Perez way back when. Um, that's always been a goal in the back of my mind. And it's, this is, this is year five. So it's, uh, it's, it's cool. It's time. So, right on schedule. Right on schedule. Yeah. I'm sure Chad Thalen over at a uh, real tree, he's ready for that, that thing to be on the market. Cause I'm sure it'll sell fairly quick, but. Oh yeah. I'm sure um, in this, in this setting. I already, a buddy of mine who we know, uh, already wants first right of refusal. So we'll see. Okay. Very cool. 
But yeah, and then in terms of, you know, other goals, I don't know if that's where you wanted to go next. Yep. Well, you've got I, uh, two states for sure that you're hunting, right? Well, three. Yeah. I guess three, actually. Well, if you count, yeah, if you count Michigan, uh, that's just a given. Um, get two buck tags in Michigan, as many doe tags as we want, usually. And uh, so I'll probably, I'll, I really would like to shoot a buck on the 15, one more buck out there um, before I saw it. That'd be really cool. So I'm going to try to do that. But the cards have to fall the right way. I'm not going to go over hunt it. I'm not going to screw around. So it really has to be, be uh, the precision strike. And then, yeah, the lease with you, you know, the the uh, Ohio Test Farm. Um, can't wait for deer camp down there. That's going to be awesome. Oh, yeah. I'm I'm bringing the beer since you guys hung all the stands. <laughs> you know, Corey and I will bring some beer. And, and I'm going to hunt mobile, too, but you guys have put in so much work being – being down there and in that area, so I'm bringing I'm bringing the beer. Don't worry about that. Um, love it. That'll that'll be awesome. That's going to be a good time. I love hunting Ohio. It's not easy. It never has been. And uh, but something about those hills, man. I don't know. So there's that, and then Illinois. I'm going back to Illinois for gun season again. Um, my my buddy Jordan still. Still isn't hunting, so he's invited me down. I went down in May. We did some habitat work, put some plots in. Um, going to go down there and hunt with his dad and his brother and, and have a good time. That's a quick three-day season. But, uh, again, you know, Illinois is just magical. There's Absolutely. It's, it's The deer there are just uh, – there's a lot of them, and, and you can hunt like you, you know, like you want to hunt. You can see them act natural and do things that – our Michigan schizophrenic deer won't even think about doing. So it's kind of sure. cool. Um, and that's more of a deer camp setting too because it's a gun season and it's, you know, three days. So it's – I guess I'm in a deer camp. I don't know. I guess I'm just <laughs> following my way around deer camp. Maybe that will be the goal is to have a deer camp in every every podcast listener state before we're done here. I don't know. That's not a bad way to roll in October deer- and November, brother. Oh, man. I know it's it's cool. So I mean, if I fill, I'll be ecstatic if I fill a Michigan tag. Um, the, the my standards, I normally shoot one every couple of years, couple three years. It's been it's been three. Ohio, that'd be cool. I'd love to shoot one down there. Um, Illinois for sure too. Yeah. But my, my I guess my probably my number one goal is to get something killed on the 15 again. It's all the work you put in out there and. So what, what is cool? I do have some bucks showing up. They're not. I haven't. I don't have them patterned yet, uh, unfortunately. But this this property has never had deer until mid October usually, or at least bucks. Yeah. There's some doe families that live there. Um, a couple of bucks will show up, but I've already had three deer I'd shoot show up, and it's not even October yet. So just goes to show the te- you know a testament of how this habitat work pays off. If you build it, they will come, whatever you want to call it. I mean, right. you go from mid to late October deer to, you know, late September deer over time. I don't have corn or beans nearby. I mean, it's it's cool. So, but it makes you also have to play things a little bit smarter, you know, if they're there oh, all yeah. the time. I don't care if the deer are not there in January through September. I'd rather they yeah. not be. Yeah. Um, so, we'll see. Pretty fired up. So what does it take for you to lift your bow off the bow hook in, in Michigan? Because we've got different ideas for 
you and I are in kind of a unique situation where we're, we're kind of, I think you're still on the same page as me. And, and like our home states, we don't really have the Giants running around, so we're kind of a little bit more liberal with our buck tags. And then uh, Ohio and Illinois, obviously, we're going to hold out for something bigger. But what's it going to take in Michigan to get you to get your bow off the bow hook? Well, great question. I'm, I'm with you on the more liberal in this state. There are Giants here. Not on uh, on uh, some of the properties I have access to. Uh, you know, I've had some great bucks on on mine. I like the two bucks that showed up recently. They're probably in the 125 to 135 range. Um, those are solid deer for Michigan. They're three year olds at least. I'd shoot either one in a heartbeat. Um, if a 120 inch two year old walks out, oh man, he better be careful. So game time decision. Yeah, I mean, I'd I'd rather he be three. I'd rather he be three. I, I usually wait for a three-year-old. I haven't shot a two-year-old buck in a long time, probably 10 years. Um, but, you know, after all that hard work on the property and you got a nice buck that comes out and he's, you know, I, I, get, I get excited. So, yeah. That's for Michigan. Um, up north where the new family property is, now that's not going to be a 135, 140 up there probably. That's going to be more in the 100 to 120 range for a three-year-old. You know, it's different up there. Um but you know, like you and I both, we kind of blend to where we where we hunt. So Ohio, uh, we're trying to hold out for 140s there. Um, right. I'm in Illinois, you know, same like a 130 to 140. I'd be tickled pink with, you know. So anywhere in there, just I like just big bodied mature deer. I don't really sure. care about sure. the score. At least that's the way I'm starting to to trend these days. Yeah, yeah, and. and- for everybody listening out there, I always have this disclaimer for new listeners, and we throw these numbers around, and, you know, they're really not that important to us, but it just kind of gives everybody a gauge of of where we're trying to be, and, you know, we've been doing this a long time, so it, it, we're kind of picky when it comes to Ohio. We're trying to shoot something in that 140 class or better, but like we say, if something really nice comes by and ends up being a 135, nobody's going to be crying in their bush lights so you know <laughs> just just look at your area look at your experience look at your own goals and don't worry about what Jared's shooting or what Brian's shooting or any of the guys on tv so just just have a good time and and hunt your own hunt well said I'm glad you always throw that disclaimer in there and as you guys heard it we're recording he said 135 in Ohio now so I'm on board <laughs> all right so that 140 is now 135 no I'm <laughs> I mean, like, what we're trying to do there is a little bit different, right? We're trying to develop something long-term, you know, the property owner's letting us put in habitat and habitat at work. You know, you put in a sea container there. Um, we can cut trees. Like, a lot of leases you can't do any of that stuff with. Yeah, so, and, the, and the area that it's in, I mean, yeah, we haven't seen any legit booners on there, but there have been many booners killed in the area, and the neighbors had some big ones over the years, so. There's always that opportunity come end of October, beginning of November. You don't know what's going to roll through there. So we're not going to be flinging arrows at the first 110 that walks by. Just right. the way it is. What's that buck behind you on the wall score? We're, we're, for anybody who doesn't know, we're trying to do more video podcasts now. So we're going to put them all on YouTube, on our YouTube channel. So go check that out. But what's that one score behind you from PA? This one was right at 130 inches. Yeah, I'm shooting. I'm shooting that deer all day long and twice on yeah. Sundays, as our friend Al would say. Yep, beautiful buck. I'll take yep. it any day of the week, like you said. Yep. So I mean, 
I like to shoot a few does, you know. I like to dust off the the afflictors and, and put them through a couple lungs. That's always fun. No problem Absolutely. doing that. Um, yeah, there's something else I was going to say, but it left already. Yeah, we've been sharing our uh, big buck picks from the test farm. Uh, not sure if that's the smartest thing to do on <laughs> social media, but we're trying to keep our followers and, and listeners involved in everything that we're doing. And yep. you guys are going to see our videos semi-live as they come and as we get them uploaded. And we're going to try to bring you some stories live from the stand and <clears throat> when we recover some stuff. So, yeah, looking forward to it. We put together a pretty good team and, and we're just going to keep plugging away here and, and try to bring you guys some exciting stuff throughout the season. Yeah, so speaking of that team, Brian, I know you mentioned it once or twice on some other episodes, but um, let's just hit that high level real quick. What are you What are you putting together? Yeah, so I wanted to put together a team that represented different areas of the country instead of everybody getting sick of us talking about Michigan and PA and Ohio. <laughs> so um, we've got a couple of guys, uh, one from Wisconsin, one from Indiana, uh, we're going to be doing some stuff in Illinois with you and, and Jordan. Um, got a guy uh, in Iowa that's jumping on the team. Maybe two guys in Iowa. And I know there's been some interest from a, a couple of possible team members there. So it's going to be fun, I think, for our followers. You know, if if you're in Indiana and you only hear us talk about uh, Michigan and PA, you're going to be getting a lot of stuff from Indiana here coming up soon or Iowa or Wisconsin. So it's going to be kind of fun to see how the season progresses in different states and uh, different areas and how the habitat's changing and how the deer are using it. So that's the gist of the of the series. And uh, hopefully we'll be able to tell a couple good stories along the way. Yeah, guys, that's our Habitat Journeys uh, series up on YouTube. It's up there already. We've already introduced a couple guys. Um, and Brian, I don't know if we – did we put Jason from uh, Minnesota on the intro yet? No. Yeah, I think uh I think uh, their intro's freaking cool. So add one more state to one more state to the mix. There you go. So we're, yeah, and, we're covering and, uh, the Midwest, you know. Absolutely. And and still adding team members and seeing where this is gonna go. So it's gonna be pretty exciting. Heck yeah. Well I appreciate all the work you're doing there. You do a great job. Your editing skills are are awesome and, and uh you, you know <laughs> like I edit too, so like I know I know how much of a pain in the butt it is and how hard it is. And, and if anybody ever wants to help with some editing, let us know. We're always on board. But we're really trying to grow the brand, guys. Um, we've been doing this a uh, couple, three years now, and we're going big with this thing. So, you know, any feedback you guys want to give us, let us know. You won't hurt our feelings. I promise. There's a lot a lot bigger things in life that hurt my feelings besides some feedback. So please let us know um, what you want to see and podcast episodes, what you want to see on YouTube. Um, you know, we want to do some more listener interaction, you know, coming up over the fall here. So feel free, guys. This is, this is um, you know, our Habitat Nation, if you will, the whatever we want to kind of cornerly call it here. It's all about you guys. It's not just about us. Um, just like the very beginning, we're all here learning together from episode one, so – Keep this going, and please, please, please speak up if you want to see something more or less different. So that's all. Yeah, I appreciate everybody tuning in, and and we do enjoy the 
the good feedback. I mean, we get a lot of it, and we appreciate that. But like Jared said, we like the the bad stuff too. We don't get much of it, and I'm not just saying that. But when we do, it's it's kind of nice to sit back and say, hey, this guy didn't like this. Maybe we can tweak this and and try to make it better for somebody that's maybe seen it from a different angle. So definitely keep that stuff coming, and we appreciate everybody out there and everything you do for us. Alas, here comes the hate mail, bro. (laughs) (laughs) No. Brian, it was great catching up, buddy. We don't do this often enough. Um, You know, we live so far away from each other, but it's always great to, to catch up. And, hey, buddy, deer season's here. So good luck to the listeners. Hope you all get to hit your goals this year. Check a few boxes and, uh, you know, remember, thank God for being in the woods and just enjoy yourself because uh, there's a lot worse things we could be doing. Amen. So. Good luck, everybody. Thank you so much, listeners, for coming and listening once again to the Habitat Podcast. We really appreciate it. If you could, please do us a favor. Leave us a five-star review on iTunes or wherever you listen to this podcast. If you type out something nice, I will send you a free Habitat Podcast decal. If you haven't been to our website, HabitatPodcast.com, we have our Habitat Property Consultation Services on there under the Land Plan tab. Check out our HP Land Plans there. We also have hats, T-shirts, and decals up at HabitatPodcast.com. Of course, all of our podcast episodes. And then we have a new Habitat Podcast journal we can learn about deer anatomy and some cool thoughts, um, you know, more of a blog post from us every now and then. We'd really love it if you went over to our Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube, found the Habitat Podcast, and please subscribe. That really helps us. And thank you very much to our sponsors. I'd like to thank Exodus Trail Cameras, the squirrel at nutplanter.com, Packer Max Cultipackers, Afflictor Broadheads, Killer Food Plots, Michigan Whitetail Pursuit, Realtree United Country Land Pro, Lake States Realty and Auction, and Morse Nursery. Thank you so much, guys, for tuning in once again. Get back with us soon. We're going to have another great episode for you as we become better habitat managers. <laughs>